0: Hello, and welcome to Camel Science Church. Again, my name is Tim, and I'm the pastor of Spiritual Formation here at KAC. We're glad you joined us. We are in a series on the book of James. Today, we are looking at the last part of James chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me there uh, as we will jump into it. And I want to begin with a question for you again uh, this week. Uh, and the question is simply this. What plans do you have that you're excited about? Plans maybe for uh, something close, something soon, or maybe something far, or maybe something big. Some, some dream, some desire you have that's a plan of yours that you would love to come to fruition in your life. What plans do you have that you're excited about? James today is going to talk to us about our plans. And not just planning itself, but kind of what's underneath uh, all of that for you and for me. So let's read uh, The words today. I'm going to read it all in kind of one foul swoop, and then we will work through it together. So if you're willing and able, please stand with me as we read God's word. Uh, So James chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, says this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. This is God's word and we believe it. You can have a seat. Alright, we're gonna jump in verse by verse and just have a look at what James is saying to us today. So verses 13 to 14A, he says this. Now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. We will go. And you do not even know. It's kind of like a start of a Dr. Seuss uh, book. Um, a little rhyming there. We, we will go. It's kind of our plans. What are we doing? But then James questions our plans and says, but you actually don't even know what will happen tomorrow. How do you know your plans will succeed? How do you know your plans have any merit uh, on future events? You don't even know. James is focusing on people who plan their lives. Do you plan your life? We, really, we, we all plan our lives, right? We, we all desire to have things happen in a certain way at a particular time. You make plans to meet up with friends and hang out and do stuff. Take your kids to soccer or to dance or whatever it might be. Uh, we all Plan. In fact, planning is a significant part of our culture. Michael Hyatt used to be the uh, CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishing, a major Christian publisher. And uh, he left that company to start his own consulting business, which is primarily about helping leaders uh, plan their lives. So he has this thing called a full focus planner, which I use. Uh, and it has daily uh, task lists and schedules and note taking abilities. And you you can set your priorities for the day and uh, it has quarterly reviews and you can put your goals in the set, the beginning of it and set out your ideal week. And I mean, it just goes to the nth degree. And not only that, he uh, has a course you can take at the beginning of every year called your best year uh, yet or ever or something like that. And you can plan out your year. You go in, you say, what's my goal for, you know, 365 days from now. And then you work your way backwards uh, and try to figure out what uh, um, this is going to look like for you. And uh, so planning is a significant part of our uh, lives. It's what we do. And, and, and James is causing us to question that a little bit. Um, I, in college, uh, I was. Having a conversation with a number of people. And Melissa, my uh just a friend at that time is now my wife, but she's a friend. We we're having a conversation, and people were talking about how pastors don't make a lot of money. And they're kind of going, So what, what are you gonna do? Talking to some of us who were uh feeling called into uh the, the ministry. And they came to me and they said, Tim, what are you gonna do uh about you know not making a ton of money? And I said, Well, I'm just gonna marry myself a sugar mama. <laughs> That's just what I'm gonna do. And Melissa I don't, I don't actually remember the story. This is a story Melissa shares and she remembers thinking in that moment, well, you ain't getting none of my money. Uh, and fast forward about four years, we got married and Melissa paid off my student loans for me. So there you go. Um, you know, uh, she had already worked for a few years at that point and, uh, saved up some money and used it for that, that purpose. So, uh, I won. Um, but we all make plans, right? We all have ideas and thoughts about what we want to do. And in here, um, uh, in particular, um, James is talking about making business plans, right? Plans to make money, make profit. Um, and he calls into question our ability to foretell the future. Do you really know? Do you really know? He doesn't give us a lot to go on at this point. He's just kind of setting us up to be unsettled uh, with our planning, but he hasn't really um, kind of landed the plane yet. He goes on to the next part of, of this passage, and he asks a really pointed question. What is your life? (laughs) It's an interesting question. Have you ever tried to answer that? What is your life? How would you describe it? What are the things, the stories, the values, the things that you would share? James here doesn't necessarily speak about like what is your life specifically. He actually speaks about human life, really, in general. And he gives an interesting description, which, to be honest, ain't all that positive. He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Oh, thanks, James. That, that feels really positive. Uh, uh, I'm here uh, for a little time, not a long time. Uh, I, I, and then I vanish. I'm gone. I, I'm out of here. What, what is James saying? What's he trying to get at? I think let's unpack what a mist means first. Uh, last summer, um, it was hot. I don't know about you, but it was really warm. And so we bought these misters. Um, and it's just a fan and with a little trigger here that you pull and it sprays out mist. And so you turn it on and when you're, I'm not going to spray it because I got a mic, but you spray it and a little mist comes out. But it vanishes. It's here for a little bit, and then it's gone. And I remember putting the fan on there, spraying, and it felt great for a moment, and then it disappeared. What, what, what is James trying to say here? He's trying to say that um, as mist is finite, it's frail, it's small, it doesn't have a huge impact, um, and it's it's actually insignificant. Um, It's not—it's not a significant amount, you know. If I was to take a big bucket of water and throw them, you'd have a lot bigger impact than just a little mist in the heat. So, so James is saying to us about human life that we are finite. We we only last for so long, and we only have so much power. We are frail. The mist kind of just vanishes; it's gone. Uh, and we are insignificant now, hold on, I know that is uh, an assault to our culture and, and a significant value in our world today uh, and And there is obviously lots of scripture that talks about how God loves and cares and, and sees humans as important so So pause that for a second i 'm going to understand and help unpack a little bit about what James is trying to get at here, but but go with me here. A mist is insignificant, right? It, it doesn't have a lot of things. And so James is trying to say that we are insignificant. So think about it this way. Um, do you remember your great, great, great grandfather's name? Probably not, unless you you know, pay money to look them up on Ancestry.com or .ca. You probably don't know their name. Well, th- we're just, we're insignificant. Right. We, we don't have a massive impact as much as sometimes maybe we would like and, and, and think so. And so we, we are insignificant in this way. I, uh, um, number, uh, a little while ago, I went to a funeral for uh, a lady who was uh, uh, 99. She was months away from, from her hundredth birthday. She'd been a missionary in the Congo. Uh, she had lived a great life for Jesus. And I had a kind of an insidious thought sitting in the funeral room uh, in the service. Um, There wasn't a lot of people there. Uh, It was mostly family. And and really, honestly, most of her friends had already passed away. Um, So there wasn't a lot of people there. And I I remember thinking to myself in that moment, man, I I think I should probably die earlier so I could have more people at my funeral. And and immediately I caught myself like, "What? what is this thought? This is ridiculous. Why am I thinking this Way Well, because this desire this, um, to, to be more than maybe I am came out of me. Like I just had this strong desire to be significant, to boast, to, to be somebody maybe I'm, I'm not. And, and, and James is saying here, hold on, we actually are all finite. We will, we will all perish. So think about your life. What is it? Do you think more of yourself or less of yourself than you ought to? We are but a mist that will vanish. This is real, uh, you know, positive, get you going in the morning, stuff you say, you know, in your meditation, right? As you get up in the morning, right? It's like, I am insignificant. I am a mist that vanishes. I am, right? Like, I, I am, don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? It's, this is not kind of your, your coffee mug slogan, in, you know, that you drink from in the morning. Um, but James does turn a corner here. And he says, instead, You ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James now offers a correction to planning. And, and we're going to see here in a second, he's, he's actually not pushing against planning itself. He's going to push against what's underneath the planning for you and I. Okay. Um, but, but for the moment, he, he's pushing back against planning. If it is the Lord's will, we will live, uh, and do this or that. What James is saying here is actually that often in our planning, we are not seeking after God's will in our lives. We're not seeking after what he wants for us, that we are actually pursuing um, our own initiatives, our own desires, our own goals. Uh, If you look up the word will in the dictionary, it simply means someone's desires or ideas. So you have a will, I have a will, God has a will. I have desires, I have ideas, I have things that I will into existence or, or desire move towards, and as does God. And so James is saying, hold on, do not pursue your own things, but actually seek out God and his will for your life. What does God desire for you? What is he asking you to do? What is this, uh, what is this or that that God has for you? What does that look like? As Jesus followers, we do not. Uh, as Jesus followers, we do not use Jesus to fulfill our own plans. Right? It's. I think it's really common as Christians. In fact, I I would argue. Um, it will be the lifelong wrestle of really every Christian. that I, uh, There's a part of me that honestly yearns after God's will, and there's a part of me that's kind of pulling me away, right? That's going, actually, I really want this. I want my own comfort, my own peace, my own way, my own stuff. And it's a constant um, furthering, submitting, leaning into the lordship and the leadership uh, of God in our lives. And so there's always this battle going on uh, within us. And so how do we actually move from a worldly motive to a motive of Jesus? What does it look like? As James actually points out here, is your motive profit uh, or is your motive Jesus? It's not wrong to necessarily make a profit per se, uh, right? You go, in the first verse, he talks about, you know, taking your business to this city or that city and, and making money. Um, but but what is your motive for doing it? And, and not only what is your motive, but is God leading you to do that thing? Because it actually might be good for someone else to do, but not for you. It might not be your assignment. I heard a story one time uh, of a, a person who wrote an assignment, thought they did really well, was really excited about it. They went, they handed it into to the prof. The prof reviewed it, wrote his marks on it, and then wrote a comment at the bottom. He said, great work, great stuff, amazing writing, but wrong assignment. (laughs) You did the wrong thing. It wasn't what I asked for. Uh, And so this is really what James is saying to you and I today is going, what what is your life? Are you seeking after the things that Jesus has for you? Are you on the right assignment? And so this is where uh, James is leading us. I don't know about you, but I I think um, often our Christian life is uh, guilty of treating God's will as simply capitalism with a moralistic clothes on? Do you feel like I, I am just doing good things and making money to support my family, etc.? which is nothing wrong with. We all need to support our family. We all need to make money. There's, there's uh scripture that uh, affirms that. Um, we ought to care for the people around us. Give and be generous. But, but what does this really look like? Is it really just capitalism with moralistic clothes on? Do, do we really just pursue money and do it in a good way? Uh, is, is that Christianity? Is that the totality of what is going on here? And, and James is saying, no, no. The, actually, the, the heart's desire of the Christian is to pursue Jesus and his will for their life. And so it might look like making money and being a good person, but, but it's, it's, it's saying, God, what are you wanting to do in my life? I am seeking out God's will. Maybe. Um, it is making money and being very generous with that money. Maybe, actually, it's not. Maybe it's uh, like Mother Teresa who said, I'm leaving this and going to Calcutta and serving in India. Maybe it's not that for you. Maybe it's um, serving uh, in your local grocery store. Maybe it's being a maintenance manager. Maybe it's being, um, you know, whatever it might be, um, it's God who is leading you. And that's what this verse is really getting at. So there's a difference between God's sovereign will and his revealed will. And so I'm just furthering this idea of God's will for you. Sovereign will is God's redemptive purpose for this world. Well, what is God ultimately trying to do? Everything is under his sovereignty, his leadership. God's revealed will is specifically what does God want you to do? How is, how is he at work in your life? Now, I don't want to get into uh, how do you figure that out. That, that is a question that could take probably 10 weeks of sermons, and there's a lot there. Um, but what James is really pushing at is not uh, what is the will for your life, but are you seeking after God's will? That's where James is going here, right? If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Instead, you ought to say, instead of pursuing my own plans, I'm going to pursue God's plans. Are you pursuing God's plans? Are you seeking after the Lord's will in your life? James takes uh, kind of a turn and he goes back to talking about our uh, plans and, and what exactly he's pushing back on. He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting, uh, arrogant schemes, that's, that's our planning, right? All such boasting is evil. This is, this is our plans right here, right? Right? he's essentially saying, not that planning is wrong, but actually there's a boasting, there's an arrogance um, underneath all that to say, I know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm, this is my plan, and I got it made, and I got it figured out, right? You go online, and you watch your um, real estate investing. is such a big thing of like, if you go and you do these five things, you'll be a millionaire by the time you're 30, and you, know, you get your life together and be your own boss, and this is the plan. This is what will work. And, but, but that's really arrogant schemes. Do you really know what's going to happen tomorrow? Nobody knew that COVID was going to come. All professional sporting events were going to stop. Nobody knew that. Do you really know what will happen tomorrow? And so James is saying, actually, these plans that we make, although are not bad in and of themselves, the the undertones of them are arrogant. So are you seeking out the Lord's plans uh, and and allowing him to lead you? I, I often find um, sometimes people come um, and they say, I, I'm just not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna follow what the Lord tells me to do. And in so what they do is they neglect planning anything. And they kind of would look at a verse like this and say, that's all I'm gonna do. And, and that's really not what this verse is getting at. This verse is, is saying, it, it's okay to plan, but, but plan as the Lord leads you, right? Um, for instance, uh, I've planned this sermon. I read and I researched Um, And so I'm coming here prepared. I've been listening to the Holy Spirit as I've been preparing. He's been leading me this whole time. And so sometimes some traditions will say, you don't do any of that. You just let the Lord lead you in the moment. And I will push back and say, actually, the Lord can lead me before the moment and he can lead me in the moment. And so I'm open to both. Are you open to both? Are you open to the Lord leading in many situations? He continues on. And this is how he ends the the passage. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin. If you know the good you ought to do and don't do it, it is a sin. Do you know the good you ought to do? This is kind of interesting because I feel like in some ways this feels disjointed, right? Well, James, you, you just kind of told us we're insignificant, you were, were a mist that vanishes, which honestly kind of insults my uh, 21st century postmodern kind of upbringing of like I matter, I'm important. Somebody tell me an affirmation, please. Right, like it kind of insults that a little bit. Say so like I, I, I am significant, I am important, I do matter. Um, and God would say that, but but it's about the arrogance that comes out of that, right? I am more important than I I see myself uh, being. And so James is not pushing back against or sorry, James is not saying we uh, do not matter at all. That is not what James is saying. Uh, and we know this because he's still asking us to do good things. He's still saying God wants to use you for important, impactful, significant stuff, but we need to have a right understanding of who we are and how we fit in the grand scheme, the sovereign will of God. At the end of the day, I don't remember my great, great, great grandfather's name. And my great, great, great grandchildren won't remember my name. So, what really matters? What's really important? Well, scripture is clear that the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church, that his kingdom that he is building is eternal. And so, James is wooing you and I to say, Come. Be a part of the bigger picture. Be a part of something good, something that will have ultimate eternal value. And listen, you don't know the impact that God wants to have through you and in you for the kingdom of God. So let God lead you to the good that you ought to do and trust the result to him. Let him lead you. Now, it's interesting here that James says that actually, essentially, if you don't do the good you know you ought to do, that it's a sin. Typically, we see sin as something I do that's wrong, right? Um, I yell at somebody out of anger. It's wrong. It's not okay. That's a sin. Okay. Um, that's something I did that was bad. But James is saying, actually, if you. Uh, have apathy and you don't do the good you know you ought to do, if you have timidity and you know you ought to do something, but you don't do it as a result and you shy away, actually, that's sin. That actually these things are uh, uh, not okay. And so what we call this, um, the the, the, sin, the wrong you do, um, that's called the sin of commission. The good that you don't do is called the sin of omission. Right? So it's, it's something I don't do that I should have done or that I ought to do. What is the good that you ought to do? When I was younger, um, I was very timid, very shy. And my parents um, regularly, routinely um, kind of pushed me into situations and made me do things. So for instance, I really struggled to say hi to people. I just, I, I had like a 10 pound weight in my chest and I'd walk around life like this and I wouldn't look people in the eyes. And so my mom and my dad would sit there and they would force me to say hi to people. Okay, this is how bad it was. One day in grade two, uh, my, I didn't say good morning to my teacher and my teacher made me sit outside of the class all day till school was finished. The teacher calls my mom at the end of school, and she says she tells her the situation. Hey, he hasn't said good morning to me, um, and I just think it's important that he learns to say that. And my mom and she said, "Is it okay if I let him sit here until he?" She does. She says, "Great, keep going." <laughs> and so I sat there. I don't know, it was another thirty minutes or so till I finally said good morning to her at like three thirty in the afternoon. My parents were on, I mean, that was my teacher, but my parents did similar things. They would painfully make me stay and say hi to people. Why would they do that? Kind of, I mean, seems kind of mean, doesn't it? I I don't think it was. In fact, I I see the good that they were wanting to do. Because they're saying to me, Tim, this is a good thing you ought to do. And it's not okay to ignore it. You need to say hi to people. People need to be seen, heard, and understood. They need to be recognized. No matter who it is, you need to say hi to them. So now I kind of do with my children too. (laughs) Make them say hi to people. It's funny because people are all uncomfortable. Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. And it's like, actually, it's not about you. Uh, My kid needs to do the good that they ought to do, and I want them to do it. What's the good that God is leading you to do, that you ought to do? Are you willing to lean into it? Are you willing to risk the uncomfortable anxiety, stress, discomfort? What is the good that God is calling you to do? Or do you just want to be a capitalist with moralistic clothing on? Essentially, James is telling us today that we're to seek God's will in all you do. What do you do? You got kids at home. You work a job, run your own business. You have a social media account. Do you seek God's will in all that? Do you ask Him, you know, if this post is good and honoring to Him? Do you ask Him to lead you in what posts you should share? ask him to lead you in how to care and love your spouse or your children? Do you seek out his guidance in your work with your finances, with your job? Do you take that promotion or not? Is God leading you to that? What does it look like for you to be led by Jesus? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your goodness and your grace. Father, we, um, we all struggle, we all wrestle to know what to do in the moment because we, we, we often are torn by our own motives. And so Father, I ask that you would help us to seek after you. Lead us, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for coming. We'll see you next week.